I, I realized who the troll was. His name is Dave. I'm white and I've got everything I need. No one clutches their purses when they're in a room alone with me. And I can drive for any neighborhood I please. At any hour, and the police don't do a thing. So if I see a penny on the ground, I leave it alone and fucking flip it. I'm a straight white male in America. I got everything I need. I'm a guy getting paid more than a girl with a degree. And I can walk down the streets after dark, no one wants to rape me. And I can get a girl pregnant and just as easily flee. Just like my straight white male dad did to me. So if I see a penny on the ground, I leave it alone and fucking flip it. I'm a straight white male in America. I've got all the luck I need. Got a pile of broken mirrors and I'm walking under ladders And I'm spilling tons of salt but to me that doesn't matter Cause my skin and my gender and my orientation Are the best things to have if you live in this nation I recommend it highly So if I see a penny on the ground I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Shit's gonna work out for me Cause I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Hey everybody, welcome to Intellectual Dollar Tree This is the flagship podcast of a hype train Starting before either of our faces are either even on stream uh, You can support this project by doing what the people in the chat are currently doing Or by going to echoplexmedia.com Clicking the support tab you can find all different kinds of ways to support us there. Uh, I'm producer Dave, and you can find me dancing on Henry Kissinger's grave and then pissing on it. <laughs> I am HK Perrin. You can find me on Mastodon at hparin at port87.social, and you can find me on email at hparin at port87.com. Fantastic. Unfortunately, you can also be found on the intellectual Dollar Tree. And everybody, <laughs> somebody who's very much not dead yet is uh, Peter Teal. And uh, we haven't checked in on Peter Thiel in a while, so this is Peter Thiel on something called the something called the Pirate Pirate Rot Wires. They have less YouTube followers than we have Twitch followers, which is interesting. Um, he's talking about uh, the diversity myth, corrupt institutions, woke capital, loss of religion, and China. So this is a uh, an hour long. We might get through the whole thing tonight between the regular show and the post game, but usually me and HK do have a lot to say when Peter Thiel has anything to say. So we could be here. We could also be here for a while if we cover this whole thing. So let's let it rip. Um, thanks for joining us. And I'm sorry. Smartest people in the world are the physicists and they're just going to build bombs to blow up the world. Maybe it's better if they uh, spend their lives puttering around with DEI grants and diversity it sort of seems kind of pathetic, what the fuck but at least they're not going to blow up the world you and i met 15 years ago now and back then 15 years what was this guy meeting, 10 after the first meeting i went and i bought your <laughs> book
I read the whole thing cover to cover, uh, the diversity myth, and tried to. He's got five o'clock shadow, so he's like at least seventeen. I think it's very funny now looking back. You just, I mean, you didn't want to talk about. You can go look at the board of uh, Peter Thiel, not a founders fund, but of his boutique um, capital fund. You'll see that they're all twinks. Always my sense, and <laughs> except I for Eric, like silly for having brought it up. You just seemed completely over it. This was is Eric on the board. I don't think he's on the board when this was happening. He's the managing director. That's not a board. I a position. I, let's. It? We should talk about corporate structure. We're 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 <laughs> okay. like fucking a minute into this video, and I'm already trying not to get bogged down in the corporate structure of Peter Thiel's boutique fucking capital fund. <laughs> in my sense, was that you thought. Everything that you had written about maybe just didn't really pan out. Maybe a year after I started at Founders Fund, 2012, let's say. Early I like how this guy's got a projector turned on, but it's just to put like a blue square on his wall. Did you see that? You had written about watch. Were there <laughs> really? Again. Watch, watch. And by 2015, I would say wokeness or DEI, whatever we're going to call it, had pretty much taken over every single institution in the country, which makes the diversity myth I think Ooh, look, he's showing off his books too, but in a mirror, or is that a window into the next room? Knowledge. The only I'm hoping those are dirty magazines and that's his masturbatorium. That would be the and so best situation. They could be VHS. He, he could be older than he looks 30 years later to do a kind of retrospective on that work. And maybe the worst situation would be that he's trying to look like an intellectual about it. You know, I was I was in college, late 80s, early 90s, was involved in all these campus wars, culture wars. Uh, some of them seemed to be just these crazy people doing silly things. Some of them seemed to involve cosmic battles. There was a, you know, a big battle in the late 80s at Stanford University over the uh, core Western culture program. Um, you know, there's a rally, hey, hey, ho, ho, Western culture's got to go. And there was in some ways a debate about this one a mandatory class that all freshmen had to take. So what kind of things would people be protesting in the 80s at Stanford? The behavior of one Mr. Henry Kissinger? No, I'm, I'm assuming it was the kind of stuff, it would be like, probably the, it was probably actually the sort of beginning of campuses being more uh, friendly to gay people. That sounds, seems yes. like the right time frame. I was thinking in particular gay rights. Well, Peter Thiel um, wants gay exactly rights, but only happened to that. He only wants gay rights for himself, HK. What exactly happened to that movement that kind of, I'm assuming, started in, in like those kind of younger circles, like universities, uh, maybe like the music scene, you know, places where generally there are a lot of younger people. What, what kind of happened to that? Those people grew up and they legalized gay marriage. Yep, exactly. Um, <laughs> and who, who in in the frame of of this video that we're watching benefited from that? One or both of the participants. Yeah, and what are they doing right now? Complaining about it, yanking up that ladder. That's all right. I fucking I'll climb the side of the building and then throw Peter Thiel <laughs> off of it in a uh, in Minecraft. <laughs> bigger debate about our whole civilization had to be, you know, thrown out. And then, you know, um, my friend David Sachs and I published this book, The Diversity Myth, back in uh, 1995. Uh, Whoa, well, that David Sachs guy has been a giant piece of shit since I was 18 years old. I didn't know that. We're, we're out of college and, uh, and sort of synthesizing a lot of these kinds of arguments. We, it's all 
focused on, on happenings at Stanford, and you have to somehow, you have to make some kind of argument that what you're talking about matters to other people, to the whole country. And the somewhat contrived argument we made was that, you know, ideas have consequences, that what happens at these elite colleges will eventually spread into the broader society. It was, it was a somewhat contrived argument, and probably by the time we met in 2008, it already felt, wow, it was just an embarrassing an embarrassment in a way where I sort of turned molehill into a mountain or, or, or some, something like that. And, and certainly even five, four or five years after I wrote the book, 1999, 2000, during the PayPal years, um, it, was, it was just not an item. It was not something anybody ever asked me about. I was never asked to explain things. I, I think maybe nobody read it. I'm guessing his book wasn't exactly the most popular thing in the world. I was never ex asked to you know, explain my past as sort of a right-wing liber campus libertarian <laughs> type person. The vibe of the, I don't know, 1999.com internet was profoundly apolitical, optimistic. What? The internet in uh, 1999 <laughs> was apolitical? Excuse me, was he on a different internet than I was? There was like fucking gay people everywhere, just all out being gay because they were on the internet and they could just gay the whole place up, or at least that was my experience. There were fucking the furries was extremely everywhere. extremely political from the beginning. The furries kind of ran the place for fuck's sake. It ain't nothing political like the furries. The computer scientists are a generally fairly political bunch. <laughs> yeah, he was just Certainly insulated Certainly the computer from scientists it. of the 80s and 90s were. Yeah, he was just insulated from it, or he was just on the chans. No, those were political, too. <laughs> or he's just a moron. <laughs> this guy is you like... think maybe he just has, like, incredibly bad memory, and, like, he's viewing everything through his current lens of, like, well, the past must have been, you know, what I perceive as better, because that's what everyone says about the past. Or he felt that he was benefiting from the 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 the, 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 the sort of rising tide of like social justice at that time because he was a closeted gay man who was like in a place where that was maybe no longer going to be necessary, and so there back then that was apolitical because it was helping him. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just don't think it was like apolitical at all. Like there was like they thought oh, they were. Oh yeah, no, it it absolutely was not. We all I'm I'm older than you. I'm, I'm I was around to remember it. We thought we were going to fix the world. There was nothing yeah. more political than <laughs> thinking you're going to fix the world. I mean, that's like saying music is apolitical. Like he's just flat out wrong 100%. Remember when the when the papers was apolitical? <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like saying the printing press was apolitical, right? Like, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and so incredibly disconnected from from these crazed culture wars. And then, uh, yeah, when you forward to the Silicon Valley of um, the last uh, the last few years, you know, even though in some sense it's done so incredibly well as a financial or economic matter, uh, the vibe is sort of angry, pessimistic, you know. Endless, endless culture wars. Um, Maybe that's just because nobody likes you that you feel that everything seems angry and pessimistic. They're like, fuck, Peter Thiel's here. Well, that seems a little angry and pessimistic, but that's just because you chose to show up at the dinner party, friend. Also notice he says like endless culture wars, but like, okay, so like they've never ended. 
There are always, quote, culture wars, unquote. I, I mean, eventually, suggest- some of them turn into actual wars. Right. I would also suggest that there's no beginning to what we call a culture war, at least like, sure, there was a time before people, I suppose, but like, as soon as like two people didn't agree on how to organize society, bam, you had the culture war, didn't you? Yep. And it's never ended since then. (laughs) And it's not going to. There's times it kind of ebbs and flows where it's like more in the mind of the average person or less in the mind of the average person. Sure. The time he's talking about in the 90s, I think there was a time where it was less in everyone's mind than maybe it is now, but it just depends on who you're talking about. Because for for like gay people in the 90s, the culture war was still being waged upon us. There was literally a show called Politically Incorrect. Yeah. Yeah, that like clearly the culture wars were just as raging in the 90s as they were at any other time. Like I said, I think he's just a moron. Like I think Peter Thiel is just like incredibly stupid. Right, he's basically good at turning $1 into 10 and that's it. Yeah, he doesn't know anything about anything else. Hyper political. Something like the diversity myth has resonates in a very This is good. what happens if you came up in the 80s and didn't do a lot of coke, all right? And uh, yeah, now feels um, prophetic. You know, I I suppose I'm kind of proud that I wrote it. I can say I was right about everything. Well, in some ways, you know, it it would maybe I'd I'd rather live in a world where, you know, I'd been I'd been less right about things. And then, of course, I think there probably are. Oh, don't worry, dude. (laughs) You are not right about anything in the real world. (laughs) Right. He was like he like wrote he wrote books about like. He wrote a book saying diversity is bad. Like, dude, you didn't fucking come up with that. I feel like the United States fought a civil war a couple hundred years before about that. Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Wrong. There's a question of terms, I think. Is it wokeness? Is it diversity? Is it DEI? What what exactly are we talking about? I think it's important because one thing that happens again. I feel like Peter Thiel would definitely be a segregationist. Uh, if he's not already, I've right. never heard him, you know, publicly say he's not a segregationist. Uh, talking, try- <laughs> trying to talk about this abstract thing that seems to be sort of pervasive. You're asked, well, is it even real? If you can't define it, does this even even exist? It seems like, you know, it's you've made it up. It is a mountain that you've made out of a molehill. There's there's nothing going on here. Well, there is there's something very slippery about all, all the words. Uh, you know, uh, I think the late 80s, early 90s one was multiculturalism, which has probably gone a little bit out of fashion. It's more more wokeness. Uh, diversity feels like it's been a- <laughs> no, no one. No one on the left says wokeness and like multiculturalism. Like that that has was. Not- Multiculturalism has not gone out of fashion. You ever been to a city? Yeah. Like, look at all the different restaurants, friend. What the fuck do you think that is? Like, I think he means the term, though. And like, no, people still use the term multiculturalism. Uh, and people on the left generally don't use the term woke. Like, I often use it to make fun of people who think they're making fun of me. Right. Yeah. Like, there is a certain subset uh, of people on the left who use the term woke like it actually started in the black community right right it just meant uh, more or less and i'm probably going to butcher this but just aware of the societal structures that make it harder for black folks yes aware of systemic racism right 
Mm, the but conspiracy, like the, then the conspiracy, the right then the conspiracy, into then the conspiracy community uh, ruined it. Actually, probably. Yeah. What the right has turned it into, though, no one on the left uses it in that way. Like no one on the left sees. Like well, I don't like these absolutes. I, it's it's very uh, very okay, hard to find enough. someone. <laughs> yeah, very few people on the left use it in the way that they do. I just think very few people, except for the people who are concerned about it from the other side, I think very few fucking conservatives really even talk about it. I think especially like five or 10 years ago, nobody was even talking about it. So I think it like is a creation, like it is a caricature of something, but now it's, it's not the thing that it's a caricature of like the, it doesn't exist in any sort of meaningful way throughout society. The way it's been caricatured, I suppose is a better, better way to talk about it. It's like their current soup de jour. You know, every every year or so they'll come up with some new phrase. Don't put parsley that, on it. Parsley's too spicy. <laughs> that that becomes their phrase that they complain about and it always means the same thing. You know, it always means just like trying to include people other than white straight cis men. Right. I mean it like you said the Bill Maher show politically incorrect. Like the political correctness was again just Basically, at that time, it was like, don't be hella shitty to women. Yep. Because yeah. that, that was like, if you saw a comedian complaining about political correctness in that era, they were just going to say, why can't I call you toots? Yeah, and like, that's the same thing that they would call woke today. Quasi-permanent word for, for 30 years, so it's probably not the worst one to, to focus on. Um, but yes, there is something about um, the seeming slipperiness of it that's... Uh, an, an important feature. Um, and in, in some ways, uh, one of the things that I think uh, has helped. Ooh, ooh, are they playing a game? Who, who's not going to touch their glass of water first? I, I love this game. <laughs> well, as soon as someone title, touches the glass of water, the projector turns red. It's an ambiguous title. And you can, um, you can think of it in one of two ways. If you put the stress on the word diversity, then, um, and then, then, you, then there's this sort of natural critique that follows where you don't have genuine diversity on a college campus if you have a group of people who look different but think alike. That diversity, you know, in intellectual diversity should mean more than hiring the extras from the space cantina scene in Star Wars or something. What the fuck? By also by think alike, what he means is none of them are racist. People who look different but think alike. That diversity, you know, in intellectual diversity should mean more than hiring the extras from the space cantina scene in Star Wars or something like this. And this is sort of, um, I've, I mean, I think I know, actually, I don't know what he means. It's probably fucking uh, racist against like, he means different allowing, aliens. Yeah. He means allowing foreigners in. And then this was sort of the idea, you know, people talk about diversity all the time, but on a lot of important dimensions, um, they don't really He's saying specifically that point. diversity doesn't mean allowing foreigners in diversity means allowing racists in. Well, I think that I, I think when they say diversity of thought, they oftentimes mean they want to be in a space where they think and say the things that they think and say, and then no one tells them to go fuck themselves. Correct. I think that's gen. And that's been like a broad theme since the first fucking episode of the intellectual dollar tree, honestly, is that they, you have diversity of thought everywhere. And then maybe, maybe like my mom told me when I was eight, she said to me, you know, you don't really have to say everything that you think. And these people hate my mom when I was eight, honestly.
they want to speak like a southern plantation owner in 1810. Mm, I think that and he, have the exact same consequences as a southern plantation owner in 1810. I think somebody like Peter Thiel might not like that, but that would just be because the accent from the south because he's also like a um, like a, a bigoted based on class and he would think maybe the accent from the south means you're stupid. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. But, and I don't, I don't think that their ideas, I think their ideas are more, more accurately, probably from the eighties, like white, fairly well-to-do people from the eighties. I think that's like where they're, because that's like when he came up, right? I think that's where his attitudes are from. I don't think they're from that far back. I don't like, I don't, I don't legitimately think he would be for slavery or even like segregation. I think what he's saying is that sure that we've desegregated society and isn't that good enough for you? <laughs> I think he's he's a little racist. Not oh, a little. I, I think he's fairly racist. I I I don't know. I just I know that he it would it wouldn't be it wouldn't be tough to imply that he he is from this. Sure. Not from this, but I from other like... things. Not from this, but from other things. Because all he's doing here is complaining about, well, complaints about diversity. That's interesting, too, because he doesn't mean that everybody, that the places, these spaces should just be all black, right? Because <laughs> that's also not but diverse. I, I feel like what he's saying is code for for racism. Sure. I mean, like maybe I said, it's not. Maybe I'm misreading. Maybe it's code for, like, transphobia instead. Well, but like I said, uh, when he, he doesn't think that. He doesn't think these spaces should be all black is what I'm saying. Right. Because that would also not be diverse. Uh, I think he's implying that it is fine if they are all white or worse or something. Not like implying. This. He's this saying it's fine if they're all white. This was sort of the idea. You know, people talk about diversity all the time, but on a lot of important dimensions, um, they don't really have it. It's, it's sort of a powerful internal critique. But then the, the second uh, meaning uh, puts the stress on the word myth and, um, and, under this meaning, diversity is kind of, it's a poorly defined word. It's, it's something we tell stories about. It's a kind of shibboleth. It's a false god um, that we're, we're worshiping. Unlike the, the real god? That, that Nobody worships like, diversity. Maybe, maybe People, like, this is dumb. Okay, first of all, the idea that it's a myth, it's not a myth. Go to any city. It's a diverse place. Shut the fuck up. Diversity exists. Any city. Just go. Anywhere. <laughs> In the South, in the Northeast, in the West Coast, cities are diverse. Lots of different kinds of people, all mostly living together, and not really paying too terribly much attention, actually, to what race everyone else is. That's how a city works, right? You're not one, you're not wondering what what I need dry cleaning. Where's the where is specifically the Cambodian dry cleaner? That's not really that's not how diversity works, right? You're like, what's a good dry cleaner in my neighborhood? And then you just go there and they do your dry cleaning. And you don't really think after you go in, you might notice that somebody isn't the same race as you, but after you go in, you st fucking stop thinking about it immediately because you have other shit to do. <laughs> and because you passed, you know, 15 other people that were a different race than you on the way there. Maybe more. So like if you're caught up about races in the city, like you're not going to get anything done, right? You're just going to be fucking, it's going to paralyze you. Yep. <laughs> Diversion from things that are, uh, more important, and uh, and if we're sort of all encamped at the altar of the diversity God, what are we not paying attention to? And this is sort of where right. you know I've, I've described it as a kind of um, hypnotic um, performance or a magic show 
in which you're quasi-hypnotized and you can't pay attention to the, you know, what? <laughs> uh, orange gorilla jumping up and down on the back of the stage or something like that. And we have, and maybe the, maybe the question to ask is not sort of specifically where one is, you know, where certain, some of the pro-anti-diversity arguments are, are correct, but uh, what are the things it is distracting us from? What is it diverting our attention away from? Where is it redirecting? This is, this is another thing I don't like, and I talk about it more in the context of conspiracy theory stuff. But like, he goes, "Oh, if you're thinking about diversity, you're not thinking about anything else." And it's like, how do, how stupid does he think everybody is? Like, I would assume how, as stupid as he is. So, how many things do you think that you you probably you forgot more things that you thought about today than you remember that you thought about, right? Oh yeah, probably like at least like a hundred. And that's, that's guess. probably 300. You probably even forgot that you thought about 200 other things. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like this, this, I, this idea that like, oh, well, everybody's focused on diversity and can't think of anything else. Like, well, then why didn't everybody's house burn down? Because they, for, they fucking turned off their stove. You stupid motherfucker. Like, why is everybody's <laughs> laundry still not in the dryer? Like, <laughs> like I know these yeah. are dumb, kind of dumb examples, but I think sometimes giving a dumb example sort of, like puts on front street how how like sort of um non-thoughtful somebody's uh words are in this case like if you he, does he think that there's just people in universities and institutions that are just pining away about diversity all day or do you think they have paperwork to do and maybe try to figure out where they're going for lunch and who they're going to lunch with and fucking there might be people whose job it is to consider diversity and for them, like maybe it's good that they, you know, focus on diversity cause that's their job. Uh, but yeah, for most people, it is not their job to focus on diversity. So yeah. And to the extent but that doesn't mean you can't not think about it. Like, or you can't like think about, it doesn't mean that you can't think about it and other things. You can be a math professor and also think about diversity. I mean, there's a diversity of numbers and equations. <laughs> I can't. I can't wait for a math professor to come up and try to explain that to us. That actually, the diversity in math is in the numbers and the equations. That that's great. Okay. <laughs> I can't wait for that because that is. Well, that's true. It's you know, it's true and it's interesting. It's also stupid. It's actually okay if the entire math department is white because we have lots of different numbers and that's diversity. That's a set of questions that I've come to think are very important and that, that didn't even register when I wrote the book. So I think, I think the, the specific arguments of the diversity myth, I stand by the vast majority of them. I think, I think they, were, they were right. The people we argued against were wrong. But then there were all these ways where I think uh, David Sachs and I were, were, were not even wrong. You know, we, 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 were, we, we sort of uh, took these arguments at face value. We said these were the important debates. And we, we, didn't, we had no sense of this this bigger map and how um, there were other things going on on the map that were far more important. You know, like at the beginning of the civilization game where all you can see is the stuff around your fucking, um, your fucking like horse and buggy or whatever the shit that is. That's how everybody <laughs> thinks now. It's just like, but that's just diversity. Can't see the whole map. Just started the game. When I, just sort of get right into basically what you got wrong, and this will be, I think, the premise of the entire discussion. I'd say not, not even wrong. Not even wrong, right. Not even aware of the question, the right question to ask maybe. But first, I mean, it, the book wasn't 
just quickly the premise of the book. It was not what was going on at the Stanford campus that was sort of the background. What was the thesis of the diversity myth? There was a fault line around um, this debate about um, the West, Western civilization. You know, oh, yikes. In which the multiculturalism, diversity arguments were that we needed to study other cultures and other countries. And then um, the argument we wanted to make was that uh, it wasn't really sort of uh, interested in diversity in that sense, but it was more, you still had all these authors that were writing in a Western tradition, but they were sort of anti-Western. So it wasn't non-Western, but anti-Western. So that was sort of a intellectual framing in terms of what was- what's the, not- what's the problem with that? Like if you read writing that that Peter Thiel might think is anti-West, whatever that means, well, maybe somebody sitting in a place that's been colonized might have some anti-Western sentiment based on the fucking history of their own society. Like, what's the problem? I'm really with reading confused that? about what he means by anti-Western. I mean, he probably just means. I, I'm gonna. I, if I had to guess, it was probably just uh, stuff from people that aren't white and some maybe critiques of the United States and Europe in the 20th century is what I'm. What I'm guessing. Okay. Like, like anti-colonial. Maybe, but I'm, who knows? Okay. That's the thing is, the, I think the, the, the reason this stuff is so slippery and so effective is that it kind of means what it needs to mean to whoever it needs to mean it for whenever it needs to mean it for them. <laughs> yeah, because anti-Western isn't really a thing. That's like, there is no definition of that. Right, because it's, like people you know, have to travel you're... westward to get places all the time, so. <laughs> Go west, young man. I guess anti-Western is east, <laughs> and that's funny. It's just a cardinal direction. <laughs> that's funny because what we call the east is actually, you know, if you were just if you accept that the Earth is a globe and you want to travel the least distance <laughs> to get to what we call the east, you have to actually go west from here. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Not about learning from other cultures, but it was about you know tearing our own culture and our own society and our own own history down. There was this, you know incredible intensity is it though? identity so the thing he's looking for is critical the thing he's looking for is critical theory that's the uh, so, that the, the, hk hold on the thing he's looking for is okay. critical theory um yeah that's it he's just looking he can't find the words for it he doesn't like critical theory critical theory is exactly what you think it is it's like criticizing society and that's you know we do a yeah. version of that here and obviously non-academic but we do a version of that here and he don't, he don't like it so much. Although what he's doing right now is critical theory too, because he's criticizing society. So uh, I don't know. It's just, I guess it depends on who you're criticizing and why. Yeah. So I've read uh, literature about basically like, these are the things that are wrong with the United States. Uh, and some of them go into, these are the ways that, that we could fix them. Uh, some of them don't, they just point out what's wrong, but I feel like um, his characterization of that kind of literature as wanting to tear down the West or tear down our society is, I would say, uh, a gross misrepresentation at best. Uh, Pointing out the flaws in a society doesn't mean you want to tear it down. It means you you see flaws in a society and want to fix them or maybe all societies have flaws and fixing them shouldn't be controversial. Well, you don't have to want to fix them to point them out. Like, um, that's also really interesting that he comes out of like 
a culture where uh, people um, submit bug reports in code. <laughs> I don't know. Like even that's like if someone uh, submits a bug report to one of my projects, I'm not going to respond to them by saying, quit trying to tear down my project. Right. That's what I'm saying is he comes from a, a culture where the, the, that's how the fucking, that's how the fucking, that's how the porridge gets made or whatever is by oh, people yeah. finding flaws yeah. in the, <laughs> in the thing. And so that somebody else can fix them. There's, that's what GitHub is essentially for. I mean, what the, like it does, you know, you put your code there and whatnot, but it's one of the things that GitHub is for is to find the flaws in software that even like lay yeah. people can find bugs and report them there. And if someone, if someone uh, submits a bug report and submits a fix for that, then I'm super appreciative, but I'm also appreciative of someone who just submits a bug report just says like, Hey, there's something wrong with your software. When I do this, it crashes. I'm like, Oh, thank you so much. I'll go fix that. I'm or, not like quit or, trying to add diversity into my <laughs> software. <laughs> or you might have to ask for more information, right? Maybe they just go, this crashes and you're like, Hey, can you tell me like, I need some information about your machine and what, what other software, you know, you get as much information as you can. Maybe follow-up questions are good too, right? Yes. Someone who just says this crashes isn't really helpful. And maybe that's what he's talking about. Maybe there's some author that I don't know of who wrote an entire book that essentially just says America is racist or something. But like all of the literature that I have read that talks about America being racist talks about like why and how America is racist. There's not really any book that I know of that is just that america is racist you and, know what i mean and not for nothing the thing that he's complaining about now that things have changed a little bit he's just doing the same shit he was complaining about people doing in the 90s right because now he's mad at society and telling you what's wrong with society like <laughs> also i i do want to stress that like it is impossible to find a government or a society where no one has criticized published criticisms of that government or society like even the governments that, you know, any uh, criticism of them is is punished. Still, there are published works of criticism of those governments. Generally, the authors don't survive very long, but the works still exist. Politics, and there was already a lot of um, of craziness about these questions of identity. There's, you know, there was always something paradoxical about the way the word, you know. Identity means two diametrically opposite things. Your identity can be that which um, makes you unique or different, or your identity can be that which makes you identical or the same. And then, you know. Um, well, not uh, the same, but this guy's this, wait, hold on. This, they're not the same. It, being a part of a group does not take away your individuality. It just, it's both. You are both an individual and part of many groups. Does he think that like part of your identity equals your identity? It's, 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 this is crazy town right here. You, uh, my identity is not taken away from me when people find out that I'm gay, right? <laughs> like, because Correct. I'm not the only gay guy walking the planet. That would suck. Um, I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't be fucking half of the East Bay right now. Um, <laughs> but more importantly, like that doesn't take away that from the fact that I'm like a one person, an individual who is going to be different in, many ways from the people who share that identity with me 
This is this yeah. is another thing that he probably hates is intersectionality because there's an intersection of being gay and being a podcaster that should make it harder for me to get laid, but it doesn't. <laughs> In fact, uh, both you and Peter Thiel are gay, correct? We are part of, you've just taken away both of our individuality. <laughs> Would you say that you and Peter Thiel are identical? No. <laughs> I would say you're nearly as far from identical as you could get. <laughs> I mean, we're both, you know, in the same general age group, probably the same height, close to the same weight, and we're both white, but that's all. Those are, oh, that's in, that intersectionality shit again. He probably hates, <laughs> God damn it. That's why I said nearly. Nearly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, it's, 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 it's absurd that you can't be an individual and part of a group. Like, that's the, the, the idea of, like, uh, human synergy is that the individuals in a group make the group can sometimes make the group more powerful or more effective than even the sum of its parts. Right. Like we have, we have concepts for this that are like old concepts. Most of them are Western philosophy concepts, actually. <laughs> have all the people in group X that their identities that they're, identical to the other people in group X and somehow completely different from the people in group Y. And then Wait, what? that's sort of the, the paradoxical definition you, of politics where you, you start with the meaning both the same and different. You know, if you start with a word that means a and not a, you can do a lot of mischief. And Wait, has he ever heard of a homonym? Like if you start with a word that means a, not a, you can do a lot of mischief. Like what? this, these, there are, there are, Mischief is good, but there are just a lot of words. You know, you ever read the dictionary? It's like definition A, definition B, definition C of this word. Like, does he think that the gay rights movement was mischief? Well, they got we got up to some. <laughs> People be throwing bricks. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I just, I just, this is this guy's supposed to be really smart, and he's just like not even just hasn't it just seems like he can't even like understand words as far as like the dictionary you just find there's so many words that mean more than one thing and you have to like look at the context in which they're being used to find out what you mean by that word um that's why we have things called sentences possibly even paragraphs otherwise people would just communicate in single words and the word would have to mean the same thing every time or it would get real confusing real fast. Like, think about the word tree. It could mean like a tree outside or it could mean you got any tree. And I'd be like, actually, yes, I do. I got some last night. <laughs> like, it could also mean a data tree. Yeah. Which is interesting because it's based off of the idea of a tree, but it's not a tree. It's also always portrayed as being upside down, which has irked me a lot <laughs> there are there are trees that grow down downward into the water though they're not trees i guess they're plants but i don't let's let's not do that part let's this not do upsetting. this one. let's not do this one. <laughs> i don't i just i just really i just really try my best to make sure that we're never even approaching the level of annoying annoying pedantry as the people <laughs> we're covering all right look it's hard all right it's hard there's a lot about Yes, hard like a tree. Paradoxes and insanity in identity politics. So you were pretty focused. There were speech codes at Stanford where, you know, there was sort of increasing restrictions on what you could say. There were sort of a lot of informal speech codes where people 
you know, for the most part, you know, the speech codes were just the tip of the iceberg. And then people knew you, you weren't supposed to say things and you'd get in trouble. Like so what? Like if you, like, for example, if you tell somebody you want to fight them, like that's something you're not supposed to say, right? You're not supposed to challenge people to a fist fight, although they've been doing, they did it like a couple weeks ago in Congress. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, 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 we've always had, it's, it's deep manners, manners. Manners is a concept that has already died. Sure, I guess, but it was it replaced with woke. I think 4chan killed manners and replaced it with the Pepe meme. Oh, we have Pepe back now. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> We're focused on essentially the subject of what was happening, but you just all these all these sort of campus wars. You alluded to the fact that the real story was what wait the, the fucking square behind the rectangle behind him turned green did you see that paying attention to what no i missed it can you go back oh now it's blue oh, i think it just might be different cameras with different white balance no we're not going you back know, just a, a brief <laughs> list before we take them apart i think one by one well um probably i was kind of hoping he was tr slickly trying to um put a rainbow up color by color <laughs> during this as like a as like a act of defiance but Unless that's not what's happening with, but four things that i would say are bigger than DEI and the DEI today or even back then was, you know, is distracting us from. The first one would be that, um, you know, in a campus context, um, there's all this focus on the insanities and the humanities. Oh, I saw it being green. Sciences. You're definitely right. That was green. And on the next one would be that, um, you know, in a campus context, um, there's all this focus on the insanities and the humanities, but somehow the sciences were more important. And Wait, what? the thesis I, I came to in the... In what does he mean, the insanities and the humanities? So I think by insanity, the insanities, quote-unquote, I think he just means, like, studying other people's cultures. Maybe, or maybe he's specifically talking about mental health. Maybe he's talking about psychology and psychiatry. Maybe he doesn't like those things. But I... <clears throat> because he's... I doubt that. But he's kind of a piece of shit and would probably talk about psychology and psychiatry by just calling it the, the insanities, right? <laughs> like, Yeah, but I doubt that's what he means. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. ...sense is that we have lived in an era of general stagnation in science and in much of technology. Oh, this shit again. God damn it. Just see our previous episodes on Peter Thiel. We're not doing this again. We're not doing this again. We're just not. I refuse. I fucking right, refuse. This guy thinks we haven't made any progress since 1980 on anything but computers. He would, yeah, I, but I fucking refuse. I fucking refuse. We're not doing this again. <laughs> Outside of the, the, the computer context, and that in some ways, all the craziness in the humanities um, served the administrators well because it stopped people from asking questions about the crown jewels, which were the sciences. And if the sciences were corrupt, this was a, in some ways, is a much bigger indictment of what's going on and a much bigger crisis for us to deal with. And these sort of intense, campus wars were actually a very comfortable way to avoid this uh this much bigger question about the sciences there's a i would just love anybody to ask him because we've sort of sussed out what he means but i and we're not, again we're not doing this we're not going down this fucking rabbit hole i refuse i will turn off the fucking <laughs> podcast or i will hang up on you hk if you try to drag me down this fucking <laughs> rabbit hole um but i want just about just anyone to ask him 
what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> right. <laughs> Marxist or libertarian critique of all these sort of campus and culture wars that they distract us from economics, from the real economic relationships. A Marxist would say it distracts us from inequality, a libertarian from economic growth or how to, how to build a more, more prosperous world. And I, I think there's, you know, there's something to both of those critiques where, you know, we have this extraordinary situation where um, in the U.S. and the Western world as a whole, the younger generation for the first time is doing less well than their parents has reduced. Economic. But that's because you took all the money. That's a, that's <laughs> yeah, that's that's literally because of wealth inequality, dude. That's and you because, are a part of that problem. But I mean, he not only is a part of that problem, he put the fucking seed money into most of the other big parts of that problem, at least in the tech industry. Yep. Thinking really hard about how to fix that, how to correct that. And I think in and in some ways, as, as, you correct as, as, it with taxes. That's yeah, literally how you correct it in these crazy battles. That is how you correct it. There is one solution to that problem, and it is taxes. We'll tackle these bigger economic questions. The third one, maybe I already alluded you tax to the rich you know, people and you raise the minimum wage. I guess it's two solutions to that problem. We will never uh, tackle these bigger economic questions. The third one, maybe I already alluded to it, where you know, as, as diversity as as a, as a false god or a false idol, in some ways functions as a substitute or diversity as a false god or a false idol as a false god or a false idol in some ways functions as a substitute or distraction from you know from religion in, in the western context from you know judeo-christian judeo-christian tradition and uh you know if you i'm sorry what yeah, um, this is this is ahistorical because uh, the churches were all up in that civil rights movement, not just the black churches, the fucking he mentioned Judeo Christian. Well, the fucking there a lot of Jewish people out there in that fucking civil rights movement, too. And they, they, they thought that their religion called upon them to be a part of this fucking movement. Like this is just a, this is not an, uh, an appropriate or well, it's I don't care if it's appropriate. This is not a correct understanding of religiosity and the church in the United States. Yeah. If you read Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, uh, it is pretty pro diversity. To be fair, he was just trying to recruit everybody into what was at that point a new religious group, a.k.a. a cult. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, but in that vein, it was still pro-diversity. I mean, Jim Jones was too, honestly. It's just that, you know, Jesus, Jesus, uh, Jesus, the cops killed him before he could, before he could invent flavor aid. Sort of friends a little bit polemically, but you say that, um, you know, God is the biggest thing that we could possibly be talking about in, in the, in the universe. If you're distracted from God, that has to be the biggest distraction imaginable. Hey, I'm like 90% sure this guy's an atheist. If you're distracted from God. Okay, so in his warped view of reality, diversity is a distraction from God. Well, I mean, that's yeah, I, I, that it doesn't make any sense because if God was in charge of everything and thought the diversity was distracting, maybe he'd have made us all the same. <laughs> Right? There'd be no, there'd be no different, there'd be no like different like skin tones and facial structures and the things that we map onto and have decided our races. If, if God was, if God wanted our attention, maybe he'd just, uh, maybe we'd all look like the uh, fucking people in the handmaid's tale or whatever. I don't know. Well, I think God 
God did make us all the same until we built a tower that was over like 50 feet. And then God was like, boom, you're all different now. Is that That's why no put- tower has ever been built over 50 feet since then. Is the tower we put Rapunzel in or is that just a completely different story? Uh, I think Rapunzel is same tower, Tower of Babel, but different time. Oh, okay. She, she was put up there later, I think. I mean, I was, I was just kidding. I, I had- 50% sure. And so there is something um, very strange where I think it's distracted us from that religion or uh, squeezed out certain, um, certain religious questions. And then, you know, the, the fourth dimension would be, you know, if, if you think of, you know, maybe science and uh, economics and religion are in some sense more important than politics, but maybe they're also distractions from politics. And then, you know, the, the riff I always like to have is maybe it's just a distraction you know, the, the, the etymology of political correctness is, uh, you know, by the 1980s, early 90s, political correctness was a term that conservatives used to describe intolerant liberals. Go back to the 1970s, it was a term liberals used to describe themselves. If you go back to the 1950s, um, it actually had a very specific meaning, and it was you were a politically correct person if you were a card-carrying member of the Communist Party and you took orders directly from Stalin and in Moscow. <laughs> and you just followed the party line. And uh, I sometimes wonder whether um, whether it is uh, it's it's still just a distraction from communism in the context of 2023. Okay, so um, um, so if you if you care about diversity at all, you're you're distracted from God and you're a communist, or distracted from communism. You're distracted from communism and or, you're God, or you're a communist. Also, like he. <clears throat> this this You're again a communist god this again is okay this again is a big problem because in the soviet union a translation that translates to politically correct meant that you were a card carrying communist and a follower of stalin okay that's fine but that doesn't mean that that's what it what the translation like that the rough translation of it necessarily means in english when it's used in english in the united states well as we've discussed previously peter Thiel has a difficulty understanding that words have different meanings in different contexts very much so the the ccp and that whenever people use the word d and that that goes back to the fact that peter Thiel is profoundly stupid from communism in the context of 2023 from um, the, the CCP and that whenever people use the word DEI, they should just think CCP. We can drill Wait, into all these a little bit more. Yeah. In terms of science specifically, it seems... Okay, it seems so diversity was- equals communist China? Yeah, the Chinese Communist Party. This is just... I, I mean, listen, he, the, the, this guy is getting dumber. I think like from the first time we watched him, because most every time we've watched him, it's been like contemporaneous, right? We haven't gone back into history to watch him. It's always been like within the last mm-hmm. month or two. And I feel like this guy's getting dumber. I mean, I feel like that it, that was a stretch for him. I feel like it's making me dumber. Like diversity, equity, and inclusion equals communist China. That That is a huge stretch. Yeah. In terms of science specifically, it seems, it's, this is always the rebuttal. It seems like, you know, there's a lot going on. 
there's like the the new molecule and there's i don't know rocket ships that land what like even this dumbass sycophant is going to try to explain to him that uh things are changing what about science <laughs> is, is really broken well we can we can always start with a meta question which is um how do we how how fast is science progressing generally how do we measure it how do we measure it you measure it with hindsight usually peter <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you measure it 20 years later. If you talk to the scientists, uh, it always gets framed in these sort of breathless terms. You know, we are five years away from curing cancer. Nuclear. Um, string theories. I don't recall any scientists really saying that. Understanding everything about the universe. And there sort of are all these, you know, breathtaking developments around the corner. And maybe, you know, maybe it's accelerating too fast. It's a dizzying pace and we should slow it down. Those are sort of the, the narratives you get. And then, um, and then from it's who hard to know how you would actually drill down into it, you know, you know, um, I'm not an expert on string theory or, you know, what do I know about quantum computing <laughs> or cancer? The, the argument that, um, in a lot of these areas, things are stalled and slowed is a difficult one to, to make because in practice you run up against all these, um, sort of, uh, self-congratulating experts, um, or people who are doing I mean, work. <laughs> Who you're yeah. telling them that they're they that they suck at their job even though you don't know anything about what they're doing. Like the reason that's a difficult argument to make is because you run up with constant evidence that it's untrue. <laughs> and just like <clears throat> he's like, oh, these people are self-congratulatory. I'm I don't know too many self-congratulatory people in the sciences. Like maybe, maybe he's talking about other fucking, maybe he's talking about weirdos on YouTube or some shit. And there are definitely some self-congratulatory scientists on YouTube, but one of them fucking isn't really a scientist and works for this guy and thinks he revolutionized physics. Like, <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's specifically talking about Eric, right? Stop talking to Eric. All right. Listen, I don't like you neither, but you have a lot of money and influence. And if you just stop talking to Eric Weinstein, you could be like half a percent less shitty over, over time. <laughs> These uh, guardians guarding their narrow subdisciplines and telling us how how great they are. The sense that it has slowed. You know, guardians there's, there's guarding their narrow subdisciplines. Okay, so he just means like peer review, I, <clears throat> or he like goes to like. I think, it's, I think it's like the Elon Musk thing, but for him, it's in the sciences where he want like Elon Musk, right? Wanted to be a celebrity, but he got to went to like L.A. parties and uh, New York City parties where like actual celebrities were, and uh, <clears throat> they didn't like him. So now he's trying to be a celebrity for cat turd. Um, and I think <laughs> this guy suffers from the same thing, right? He's like <clears throat> funded innovation, and he thinks all the scientists should take him seriously, and they don't. So he mad. <laughs> He like goes to like somebody who just won the Nobel Prize in physics. He's like, but don't you think that your that your field is just stalled? This motherfucker's <laughs> like, this is my party for winning the Nobel Prize. What the fuck are you talking about? Go away! Why you're an asshole? Wait, you funded my don't, research. <laughs> don't you think that that your field has been completely stalled for the last fifty years? Even though this innovation that you've been working toward just happened, and like the previous guy was like competing with you to get his innovation out as well. Right. And then, and, and then all these other people who were working on this are actually here at the party congratulating you. Uh, but actually I'm right. And all these people are idiots. Yeah. No one's done anything for the last 50 years. He's just Quit throwing parties. Damn it. He's smoking dope and winning Nobel prizes. Progress has not translated into, you know, better living standards for people. There's a, 
there is a sense that uh, if we just think about, you know, the way the world so, changed. So uh, he's wrong there. They have translated into better living standards for people. The reason that life expectancy went down, which I think is what he's talking about, was COVID. COVID and, um, <clears throat> you know, economic factors. I mean, people in uh, basically our age court, cohort, White people are um, ending their own lives at a, a much higher rate than previously, and a lot of that's economic. Yeah, mental health is not doing so well. Uh, mental health is affected detrimentally by uh, financial well-being. So yeah, pretty much all of the bad parts of like how things have changed in the past 40 or 50 years is because constant tax cuts to the wealthy and stagnant wages. So there's one place where he is right, where things have been completely stagnant for like 50 years, and that's wages. Or, I don't know, my, my grandparents' generation from you know, 1900 to 1980, 1990. That was a world where... That would, we had two world wars. Not the best fucking time period, friend. We had what fucking almost like back-to-back -back world wars. Those were the good old days. People got trench foot and shit trying to fight, uh, trying to fucking fight in, in like to, to gain 20 feet of territory. The good old days. It went to car from horse buggies to cars to, you know, supersonic airplanes. You landed on the moon. Um, and then, the, you know, the last 50 years... There's a felt sense that things have changed in computers and, uh, and all these things, but almost all the other dimensions feel, uh, feel, feel less that way. When I was an undergrad- How about medicine? In the late 80s- I mean, I, I just had, that, um, I literally like a, a month ago, I just had a knee surgery that did not exist 15 years ago. This kind of knee surgery didn't even exist 15 years ago. Yeah, but you're not drinking the blood of the young to stay young yourself. <laughs> my, my appendectomy that I had 25 years ago left a big scar on my, on my abdomen. I have a big scar from where I had my appendix out 25 years ago. And now you can have your appendix out and the scar from that surgery is in your belly button and it's like one millimeter long. So you can't even see it. And if you could see it, it's like barely even visible anyway. So like, he's just so fucking wrong in like every aspect. 50 years ago, like planes would crash for like kind of silly reasons. And nowadays, like the planes are better. Right. It's stunning. I when mean, you still find sometimes a... they crash for silly reasons, but the silly <clears throat> reasons are much more complicated now. Right. It's less, it's absolutely shocking actually when a commercial, like especially a, a commercial airline from the U S crashes. Yep. It, it just doesn't happen. Yep. With, in, in, with hindsight, all the engineering fields were bad ones to go into. You didn't want to go into mechanical engineering, chemical engineering, all these things were sort of not really progressing quickly. They weren't really dynamic. Aeroastro was a bad idea. Nuclear engineering, people already knew, was a very bad idea. You know, I think electrical engineering still had a good decade or two, but uh, the only roughly good field was, was computer science, which was this uh, not very challenging field for people who weren't that good in math. What um, the you know, fuck? Always... What? 
<clears throat> okay, I'm like thoroughly convinced that this guy has never worked on anything. He turns $1 into 10 like magic and that's it. Like he just knows who to give his current money to so that they give him more money later. That's that's his one talent. Was I always have this riff where things that call themselves science are fields with an inferiority complex. And so computer science was sort of like climate science or political science. Um, it was not a science at all. And, uh, and then that turned out to be adjacent to the internet and this, this, this one, one sector that was going to boom in the next, next 30 years. Yeah, all the hardcore. So, <clears throat> the area of uh, science that he thinks is the dumbest, because he thinks so, because I guess they're bad at math, um, is the area of science that is provided his his economic prosperity. And by the way, software engineers, like the especially the low level software engineers, have to be pretty good at math. That's why, like, you're required for a software engineering degree, you're required to take at least Calc two. Right, and also, soft not all, most software engineers are not computer scientists. Correct. Yeah. Computer scientist is what I mean. Like software engineers oftentimes have a computer science degree, but computer scientists who actually work on like the science behind computers basically always have like higher level math training. <clears throat> this is really you weird. You can't too. really do computer science without it. Again, it just sounds like you've been talking to Eric Weinstein, right? Eric Weinstein's like, those people aren't that good at math. Did they solve the universe? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> engineering fields went haywire you know there was the founders fund you know uh soundbite riff we had on our manifesto you know back in 2011 you know they promised us flying cars all we got was 140 characters and so there is some sense that we you know, but we those are quite <clears throat> whoever they is that promised us the flying cars i think that's called the jetsons um and that was a cartoon uh flying cars are a, <laughs> flying cars are a problem because um you know, like if your car breaks down, well, sure, you know, maybe maybe your wheels lock up and you have a little bit of a scare, right? Uh, but what if you're uh, 500 feet above the fucking, what if you're 500 feet above the surface of the earth and your car breaks down? Well, then you're dead. You crash into someone's living room and probably kill yourself and them. Right, right. So um, the, the technology, in fact, yeah, I mean, there are versions of flood. What the fuck does he think an airplane is? <laughs> Uh, or a helicopter or a gyrocopter. Uh, there are like, there are essentially like drones now that you could absolutely use as like personal transportation. The problem is like you need a pilot license to use them. And like no one's going to get a pilot license to go like 30 minutes to work. Right. Rather and than like 50 minutes to work on the freeway and just the amount of energy like think about like you know the the weight of your body plus all the mechanics and the amount of energy it just takes to lift it off the ground just makes it fucking just fucking suck up a bunch of energy that could just be used to propel you forward right like seems yeah yeah fuel in any aircraft will be higher like higher cost and higher use and higher emissions than fuel in an equivalent vehicle land vehicle right right and that's 
you know, you, you stuff a bunch of people on a plane and that's, that's fine. The, the difference is negligible, but yeah, they'd be better on, uh, they'd be more efficient on a train, assuming that the train was modern and had a, like a fishing components or whatever. Absolutely. Yep. The Jetsons are back to the future, future. Well, we had 280 characters. Wait, the now. car in back to the future. I don't think it flew until like the third back to the future. I think in the first one, all it did was go 80 and then leave uh, a fire behind it, which seems unsafe on the ground even. You can post entire essays on Twitter. Sure, of course, it's, <laughs> it's, progress. It's, 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 it's complicated. You know, there are ways, and there are ways. Twitter is important culturally and politically, and there are ways. No, there aren't. You know, it's a uh, Twitter's not a important at all. Business, and then um, there's probably still some sense where uh, that by itself is not enough to take our civilization to the next level. But is your sense on the college campus <laughs> something that <laughs> is anyone making the argument that it's going to be Twitter that takes our civilization to the next level? <laughs> Man, I don't know. That's that's, that's really interesting. It's I I don't. Maybe I think at the core of this is that he's just mad that he's not treated like like a scientist or something. I don't know. I don't. This again, it, we've been doing a pretty good job of not going all the way down this fucking rabbit hole again. He's trying to take us there. Peter's like, no, no, no. Nope. Dave and HK, I came on a smaller show than yours. Come down the rabbit hole with me. Progress in the sciences. Certainly, sort of the the basic research part of science, the the hardcore part of science, um, was you know, in some ways, and it was not all on campuses, but you know, a lot of it was adjacent to the universities. There were government programs. There were some some large corporations that were funding it, and something started to go wrong in that culture. You know, in the in the seventies and and eighties, and uh, it was hard to see at the time. It's sort of more obvious in retrospect. It became. It became bureaucratized. Uh, there was something about the peer review process where people couldn't do breakthrough science. There was probably well, no, 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 no. The peer review process is there to verify that what you've done is breakthrough science. You dumb fuck. It's not there yes. to tell you. It's not there to tell. No, no, no. You can't do breakthrough science. It's there to like uh, ostensibly to like help you and show you like, oh, this does seem good, but like, here, I found this. It seems like maybe you might want to. You know, we might, we have to, we're going to have to like examine this part of your, of your process and whatnot. It's like peer review. That's the thing is this guy doesn't think he has any peers, I think. So he's like really just mad at the concept. <laughs> peer review is essentially there so that scientists aren't subjected to just a fire hose of shitty studies. Right. You can check the peer review if you're like, this study seems interesting and you're like, oh, never mind. More. And it's always just like more research is needed. Like, and that's fine. Well, a peer review is often like, um, like a back and forth. Basically you'll submit your, your paper for peer review and you'll get like, these are the things that need to be improved in your paper if it's going to be published. And a lot of times it doesn't end up getting published cause it's just not good enough. And a lot of times it is changed. Uh, sometimes even significantly changed and then it is published. So peer review is just like weeding out the, the bad quality uh, papers before they reach publication. And the publication is ostensibly for other scientists to read. 
So other scientists aren't going to want to to hear about like literally every study, no matter how garbage it is. Something about, you know, the signature achievements at Los Alamos and Apollo had this sort of, you know, military thing. So if, 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 the, if the smartest people in the world are the physicists and they're just going to build bombs to blow up the world, maybe it's better if they... Uh, if they spend their lives puttering around with DEI grants. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. So the way he talks about like Los Alamos, right? It was the, uh, the atomic bomb. He talks about that. Like people were just like, they just decided one day that, the, Oh, we could maybe harness the atom to uh, create energy or a bomb. Uh, like that. It just, somebody came up with it one day. Right. And they're like, Oh shit, we should do this at Los Alamos. That's not how that happened. People had been working on, <laughs> on similar stuff for quite some time. Like, or nobody would have known to try it. Like, what does he think is going on? Yeah, basically it went from theory to practice at Los Alamos. Like, it's not like it, the idea didn't exist before that. They weren't there to come up with the idea of a big bomb. They were there to actualize the idea of a big bomb. Sort of seems kind of pathetic, but at least they're not going to blow up the world. And so I think, uh, yeah, I, th I think there's some way that it's overdetermined. There were a lot of different things that went wrong, but, uh, but I think it, it generally slowed down a lot. In the 80s, I mean, you just, you mentioned the exception to that general trend, which was computer science and the inferiority complex and all of that. What exactly uh, is the reason for that? Is it just the absence of the other science department pressures or maybe the degree didn't matter at all? And I mean, the sciences, I guess the tech was built outside of academia completely. If it's the kind of thing where you don't need a PhD, let's say, you don't need a postdoctoral degree or a PhD, um, then it's the kind of thing where you can get to the frontier pretty quickly, and then once you're at the frontier, you can start doing new things. And so, yeah, it's, if you're you know, Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg, you drop out of college your sophomore year, and um, you, know, you, you, you know enough computer science to, to start building a great company in, in, in those spaces. And, uh, and then probably, you know, a lot of the other... Both of those people had rich parents, but never mind that. Feel. <laughs> like also, both of those people uh, owe much more of their success to how good they were at buying other products and marketing them better than the current people who owned them. Early 90s, which was one of the things I, I thought of going into at first. Um, it already had this very elongated thing where you know you, which you as you can imagine PhD. is pretty much how peter Thiel made his money late 80s early 90s which was one of the things i i thought of going into at first um it already had this very elongated thing where you know you you needed to at least get a phd to have sort of a a basic entry-level credential and that was maybe in some ways a symptom of a field where the frontier was very far away and then you know once you got to this frontier um, maybe it turned out not as much was happening there as, as advertised. Would it seem to you that college still is not really playing much of a role in development, let's say in technology rather than science? So for example, computer sciences, it seems, it does seem like there, I mean, more people are getting this degree. It's still the only real outlier. It seems like in our economy, now there's artificial intelligence. Um, has the that's a subset of computer science. Yeah, it is. It, yes, it is, it is a subset of, but not everyone working in that field has a PhD in computer science. These things are actually pretty fucking complicated and lots of different people with lots of different core competencies are working together at companies 
mostly companies now um, on this stuff. So what's the problem? There's still a lot of academics working in right, AI. Right. Well, I guess the things that are like public facing tend to be from companies, but that's because they want to yeah. market them and make money. And maybe maybe my my view is a little bit um, uh, uh, biased by that because I don't actually know what's going on in academia and computer science, right? Um, but I do know that like not everyone working on this stuff has a PhD in computer science. It you, it's it would be it would, it would be foolish to think that everyone working on this stuff does. Uh, there are certainly a lot of like undergrads working on it, but there are also people like working on this stuff who computer science isn't even their background, like their yes. academic background. That's what I like. Yep. As as Hillary Clinton said, it takes a village or whatever. Friends sort of <laughs> kept that you don't really need a PhD to to progress in the field. I think it's, it's certainly maintained for all the fields outside of computer science, where I think, you know, in the 1980s, it was, it was not clear that the college thing was, was not working. You know, when I was an undergraduate at Stanford, I would say two-thirds of um, the students ended up in consulting, law, medicine, or um, investment banking. And, you know, but that's what Stanford was known for. Like, sure, that they had the, you know, the... The, the famous like computer science lab there, but Stanford in, in like the, like the private sector was known for spitting out MBAs, like MBAs and like stockbrokers. That's just what it was known for. I don't know what, to, what else to tell him. He should have done that. Medicine, you get an MD, law, you get a JD, banking, you get an MBA. So it's sort of these professional post undergraduate, um, degrees. And, uh, and probably all of those things have decayed quite a bit. You what? Know, hardcore science and engineering fields have decayed a lot more. I think what does he mean when he says hardcore science and engineering fields? Like, is there, I don't so, understand. What does he mean decayed? Does he mean the quality of the education has decayed or the field itself has decayed? I have no and idea. And what does he mean by decayed? This might be as good a place as any to fucking put a fork in this one. Because, um, like, this is the same fucking, this is the same shit every interview with this guy. And I'm putting a fork in this. We're not watching the rest of this during the post game. <laughs> but Oh, no, we'll miss out on all that great content. So, <laughs> I, I kind of think what's going on here, and I, I keep bringing up Eric Weinstein, but I, I think it's important. Um, what's going on here is this guy has so much money that he can pretty much uh, interject himself into kind of whatever sort of ivory tower situation he wants to, except for the sciences. And like, because they don't care. Fucking somebody working on like some project that we don't understand at some physics department somewhere at some university doesn't give a fuck what Peter Thiel says. And I don't <laughs> think he likes that. Yep. You can't buy yourself a Nobel prize. Well, I'm sure people have greased the greased the palms over there a little bit, right? But you know, it's the same Eric, the same way. They don't the people doing the work don't give a fuck what Eric thinks either. And they're 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 the way that these two guys, the way that him and Eric Weinstein talk about the academia, specifically the sciences, strikes me as a bunch of fucking sour grapes. <laughs> yep, I think you're right. Right, because this I think guy you can, are hitting the nail right on the head. This guy could go to a business symposium. He doesn't have an MBA, but they'll give him a fucking keynote, right? 
Yep. He goes to a business symposium, goes to some software, um, you know, software engineering thing. He's doesn't, I don't know if he's a coder or not. I think he's, he may, he may or may not have a background in that, but that's not his current profession or his core competency, but he'll get a keynote there. But if he goes to like a, a chemistry thing, they'd be like, do you have a ticket? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. you, you can buy a ticket now. We heard you have money. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, you want to speak? Uh, no. No, no, no. This Absolutely is, not. Yeah, this is a chemistry. This is a place where chemists are. Um, yeah, you you need to do chemistry to, to speak here. <laughs> right. And I, I, I think that that's the problem. I think that that's, you know, the fucking, you know, even the field of, um, you know, like jet propulsion or whatever. Sure. Elon Musk bought a company, but if there's like a, like a, you know, uh, some conference that Elon himself didn't throw about jet propulsion, Elon's not getting a speaking gig there and Peter Thiel's not getting a speaking gig there. And I think that they don't like that. I really think that that's the yep. thing. They don't like that those doors are not open to them through their wealth. That is like the one area of our society that sure they can throw their money around and throw their influence around in some ways, but not in the way that they want to, not in a way that makes everyone clap. You know what? I think Peter Thiel specifically should really start thinking about getting into designing deep sea submersibles himself. Ooh, better yet, he should pay Eric to make it. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, they could both take it for a ride. Perfect. <laughs> oh, man. I I think we're going to have to put uh, this guy on uh, academic probation for about six months. So we, we can run <laughs> clips of him, but we're not going to run any more long form Peter Thiel because it's the same thing with Brett and Heather, right? Where it's very repetitive. It, yeah. We end up, like in that in that case, we if somebody caught this for the first time, this episode, they're like, why are they not talking about exactly why they think he's wrong? Both of these people, you know, they look into a little bit, maybe check your CV, and they're like, oh, one of them, one of them's actually a working software engineer with his own company. The other one claims to have claims to have worked in technology, but I don't know. He just seems like a dumb talk show host to me. But he'd think he'd have some <laughs> kind of take on this, and like, but it's because this would be like the fifth fucking time we had the same conversation about how this guy's like view of the, the, the marching on of technology just isn't, isn't right. It isn't clear. It is. It doesn't make any sense. And with that, I'm going to read the show out. This has been the intellectual dollar tree. Uh, the show's live on Twitch every uh, Wednesday at 7 PM Pacific. And, uh, this is boomers by Periscope. I will, we'll see everybody in the post game.
Should you pay 